Today, we celebrate our Lord's transfiguration, the moment when he gave his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, a glimpse of his divinity and glory to help them towards the ordeals of his impending passion. In the gospel today, we hear how Jesus was transfigured. In the passage immediately before this, Jesus explains that those who follow him will have trials and sufferings. Also, the disciples whom Jesus took with him up the mountain are the same three who will be with him in the garden of Gethsemane. In the transformation scene, Jesus wants them to see his glory so that later, when he suffers and dies on the cross, they may recall his being transfigured so that they may not be overwhelmed by his apparent failure and shameful death. In fact, we can say he was preparing them for what was to come. He is also reminding them, and of course each one of us, of our own transfigurations if we try our best to do the will of God in our lives. Moses and Elijah, we are told, appeared to Jesus. They represent the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, reminding us that God is a God who is always faithful to his people, a God who told them that they would enter the promised land, that they would no longer be slaves in Egypt. He is the same God yesterday, the same God today and forever. So he assures us of our freedom from the bondage of sin and death. God through Jesus is offering each one of us the same freedom from whatever slavery or slaveries that affect our lives. God wants us transformed or transfigured on all levels, be it spiritual or psychological or indeed physical. But we must respond to his calling, respond to his ways. We may have to let go of certain prejudices or a refusal to forgive other people. The grudges that we harbor in our heart, the dissension and the seed of discord that we sow in our lives and in our communities. We must be ready to let this go in order to be transformed or to be transfigured. If we ask Jesus with a desire to be changed, he will bring it about. His only desire is for our freedom. His only desire is for our peace. His only desire is for our happiness. While Jesus was transformed, we are told Peter, James, and John were asleep. According to Luke chapter 9 verse 32. Upon awakening, they discovered Jesus in glory along with Moses and Elijah. Which means that these guys might have missed the greater part of the show. How much do we also miss of God's glory and action because we are spiritually asleep? 
Some of the things that keep our minds asleep to the things of God include mental lethargy and the unexamined life, the life of ease that hinders us from considering the challenging demands of Christ, prejudice that blinds us from seeing the new things that God may have for each one of us, self-pity and jealousy that blinds us from seeing the mighty works of God in our lives. Beloved, are you spiritually awake or spiritually asleep? Peter, of course, was so overwhelmed by his experience of the transfiguration of Jesus that he wanted to stay on the mountain forever so that he could rest always in the experience. But Jesus told him of the need to go back down the mountain to enter the reality of daily living. And now armed with the experience, he could face difficulties and sufferings knowing what was in store for him. We also can be like Peter at times. We want Christianity on the mountain and we don't want to go down the mountain. We want Christianity that brings about prosperity, Christianity of well-being. And the cross is relegated to the background. We don't want the suffering. Jesus gave this transfigurational experience to these disciples so that they will have their focus on the end of the road instead of uh, the challenges that come their way. They were ready to embrace the cup, the suffering that they were going to go through. They were ready to accept because they knew what awaited them. In the same way, yes, we have a great treasure and that treasure is eternity with God. We cannot sell that eternity for any trinkets on the world. Dearly beloved, We may have had a good experience in prayer by feeling the closeness of God at times. And we want to hold on to that. But such experiences are always given to us to help us be of greater service to others. God's gifts to us are always for sharing. In fact, any mystical experience without the appropriate charity or its correspondence charity in society is certainly incomplete. Every contemplative life demands some form of active component based on pastoral charity towards others. Peter needed to come down from the mountain to witness to Christ and to share in his sufferings. As Jesus went about Galilee, his divinity was cloaked by his humanity. But on Mount Tabor, God's light burst forth from the body of Jesus Christ and he was transfigured. This was not a surface thing but an inner essence shining through his humanity. God was indeed in Jesus Christ. 
Dearly beloved, when you and I were created, we were created in the image of God. That image, that imago made as a transfigured entity in the presence of of God. We indeed were the beloved children of God until we allow ourselves pride and disobedience to distort that image of God in us. When the distortion took place, we immediately was were filled with the desire for evil, the propensity to sin and evil. And therefore, the image of godliness, according to St. Augustine, was disfigured. We were no more transfigured entities, but disfigured entities. But thank God that in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of all that we had made of ourselves, God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. He sent his son. He sent him because he is a faithful father. He is a faithful God who is ready to forgive and to give us the opportunity to begin anew. He sent his son into the world to suffer. And so before Jesus would go through the suffering, he wanted the disciples to have a glimpse of the glory that goes beyond the suffering. The glorification that awaits each one of us was manifested in the person of Jesus Christ in the transfiguration. Indeed, at our baptism, we are baptized into the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, we were transfigured once again. And the Lord, I believe, said, this is my beloved son, This is my beloved daughter. Indeed, dearly beloved, when you were baptized, the Lord, I believe, said, this is my son. This is my beloved daughter. Because we were cleansed and our image, the image of God that was distorted was reinstated through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of baptism. Indeed, We were killed, and as we were killed, we were destined to remain in that sanctity of God, that transfigured entity. But unfortunately, we keep slipping into the mud. We keep discouraging and disfiguring ourselves. And we need a continual transformation. We need a continual transfiguration in our lives. In fact, there are two potentialities within each one of us, that of evil and that of good. We are capable of such things as hatred, bitterness, cruelty, greed, envy, lust, and so and so forth. These are ugly things that bring the worst in us. These corrupt our hearts and disfigure us. Unfortunately, this is what predominantly comes to the fore in our dealings with other people. On the other hand, we have the potential for good because we are capable of such things as love, such things as joy, peace, patience, kindness, mercy, and compassion. 
These are beautiful things that transfigure us as we reflect on the transfiguration of the Lord. We are exalted to let this beauty, to let this good potential become actualized in our lives. This means that we have to go through some form of change in behavior and attitude in life. This requires that we leave behind our features or appearances or the looks we have that are not God-like. To let go of those things in us that are not Christ's way of life. To become transfigured requires that we sacrifice certain things in our lives, leaving behind certain ways of being and doing things. Those ways of crookedness, those ways of lying and cheating, those ways of dishonesty, those ways of hatred and gossip, and those ways of revenge in our life, paying people in their own coin. All these ways are not acceptable in the land of holiness where God is calling us to. People, however, need to see something of the goodness, something of the gentleness, something of the forgiveness, and something of the understanding and caring of Christ in our lives. Remember that your life could be the only gospel, my dear, that some people would ever read. And that if they do not see Christ in you as a Christian, they might not encounter him anywhere. Beloved, may the Holy Spirit help us to be the gospel for those we encounter. That our lives will be attractive enough to bring them to Christ. And that our lives might not be the deterrent for somebody not to give himself or herself to Christ. May the Holy Spirit help us. Amen.